The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Why is this so important? Why did you pick this story? Why does this matter? This is the news. And why, 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 and why it matters. Hi, I'm Sarah Gonzalez. Welcome to the news and why it matters. Going to get to the top stories, but first I want to introduce our special guest, Ben Ferguson. Nationally syndicated radio host who I have known for many, many years. So Good to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, Stu, what's the top story for you? Uh, something the media has been warning about for a while uh, that could be coming uh, happened today, and it's a pretty interesting development in the Trump situation. Okay, Jason. Better work. He's just a great guy. He's swell, <laughs> you know, and the, that's also a fellow Hispanic. Uh, right. Yeah, right, right. right. Well, oh, wait, with a wait, name like he? O'Rourke. Yeah, O'Rourke, obviously, yes. Anyway, uh, but yeah, the, there might be a different narrative along those lines. Okay, Ben. The AG. It's kind of an important job. The yes. question is, is, do we need a new one? And how often do we need a new one? And does the president have the right to get a new one if he wants a new one? Um, I think that's going to be a very interesting thing now between now and the midterm elections. Okay. All right. Still. So uh, for this whole time since Cohen has been out there talking and, and maybe previewing that he might be turning on Trump, uh, there has been one thing that uh, several uh, reporters who cover the White House really closely have been speculating about, which is that Cohen is a small fish compared to Alan Weisselberg. Um, he's the CFO of the Trump Organization. He's the guy that has, you know, all the access to the to the money and all the transactions that have gone back in the organization for many, many years. Um, and you know, Trump properly dismisses Cohen as sort of a small figure. I mean, he he did handle some of the shadier things that Trump has done, uh, you know, with relationships and things like that. this is the sexy stuff in the tabloids. Um, but. It, you know, Weiselman was really the guy at the center of all the transactions in the organization over that whole period. And there's been speculation for a while that he would be a big fish to get if they could get if he took immunity and really started turning on Trump. It could actually be a big deal. Today, he got it came out that he did get that immunity in the Cohen trial. We don't know what that means yet. We don't know if it means he has said anything bad about Trump or if Trump did anything wrong. It's way too early to speculate on that. But if Trump did something wrong. Weiselberg would know about it. And if he has immunity, yeah. he could actually come out with it. It would be interesting. At least here, we I, should at least get an answer at the end. I, I'm interested in two things about Cohen and the deal that he got. At the end of the day, he basically agreed, I'll give you what you want me to say because of the things I did in my business life. I will give you the, hey, uh, I, I, I broke a law that I necessarily maybe not have broken right. by paying women, not through the campaign, on a deal that we've been trying to get since 2011, 12, 13, 14, and 15 with these women that were involved. I mean, it wasn't like this happened the first contact of I Want Cash was two months before the election. Mm-hmm. And, and then he takes this deal, which really this deal, five years is a long time to go to prison. It's, I mean, five years is five years. That's how bad this stuff was against him in his business life. I wonder, though, if the, if the COO of our CFO of, of Trump and this that knows everything, if he got immunity there, which we found out, as you just mentioned, how much was there really damaging information? Because clearly it wasn't enough to get, I mean, five years. Yeah. Pretty good deal for a guy that was going to go to prison for probably a lot longer than that. I just wonder if there's not as much there as they were hoping for. I think it might be true. I mean, and I, I don't like this kind of constant obsession with Trump, right? I wish the investigators, and you know, we'll see when the report comes out what is actually in there, but it seems like they're so focused on getting Trump in the investigation that we're 
obsessed obsessed with yeah. this one man and i understand well, and he's they the president. just want one thing yeah. to say you did wrong and here is a charge mm-hmm. and we're going to own you and i think that the, the part that concerns me about the government's reach now is it's very clear that everyone everything now is about to close in on trump's family yeah it's about how much can we make it hurt which is the same thing by the way that people do in mexico if they want to take advantage of you, if they want to hurt you, and and, and that somebody said to me that they investigated, you know, this is exactly what the cartels did. If they couldn't get to you, they get to your family, and if the government couldn't get to you, they would get to your family. They did this with Flynn too, right? I mean, and it's they, the same thing with Flynn and his mm-hmm. son and everything else. And it's in this pattern of, okay, well, I may not be able to hurt you, but I'm going to hurt everyone around you so that it does hurt you. I think it's a very scary precedent. Yeah, and, I, and look, I think. It seems relatively clear that Cohen, who I can't imagine he made it through a day without doing something illegal in his life. I think the day he was born, he probably at least jaywalked, jaycrawled across the street. Um, you know, he, he's, he was shady from the beginning. Manafort has been shady for from the decades. Everybody warned him. Yeah. yeah, everybody warned him, and he still hired these people, which I think was a really bad decision. Um, but it's okay. Like, if what comes out of this are real things against criminals, and they get punished for them, and nothing touches Trump, I think... Uh, all the mainstream media will be very upset about that outcome, but that's still a good outcome for our society if it's done correctly. Well, and the president, the people that he surrounded himself with, I go back to he wasn't a politician. If you remember, why did he even hire Paul Manafort? It was because he was terrified of a brokered convention and he had no idea how to win one, and Ted Cruz clearly did. Mm-hmm. And so this guy named Paul Manafort, who worked with Reagan, came to him and said, I know how the rules of a convention work. I've done this before. You need me in case this goes to a broker convention. And out of pure stress, duress, whatever, <laughs> he said, I have to have you because he had no one else to do the job. Yeah. My, my point is, is Manafort was a bad guy. People that were in politics knew he was a bad guy. But he still was around a Bob Dole. The president's correct to quote that. He was still around a Ronald Reagan, which was correct to yep, talk about that. True. And then afterwards, he exploited those contacts to make a whole lot of money. I don't yeah. think that means the president, though, was involved in any type of collusion, mm-hmm. any type of Russia. He made a split-second decision. He was desperate for someone that could understand a convention, convention rules, and that's the only reason why Paul Manafort's name even exists today. I'm not convinced that he... Uh, what's his name, the CFO, the Trump? Weisenberg. Weisenberg. I'm not convinced that he's actually flipped. A lot of people were like kind of reporting that, that, that that's yeah. might have what happened. I'm not convinced of that. I, I think it's still a kind of a uh, following the chain of, like, I guess, you can kind of sniff around where, where they're going in this investigation. Yeah. Especially when you looked at the uh, at the court papers from Cohen's uh, trial, where they mentioned that they had evidence that there actually was, or they alluded to that there was like encrypted messages that they had. They alluded to all the papers when they yeah. raided Cohen's office. Like I, I, it's it, in the sequence of how these uh, uh, the people that they're going after now, including Weisenberg, uh, the the sequence now seems to suggest that I, it just I'm just speculating that maybe that's who they have next as far as that's might be what's in some of that evidence. Yeah. They actually have, a, you know, maybe a conversation or a message that went between well, the Cohen. tapes are the most damaging yeah. thing out there. We don't know what's on tapes. We don't know what's on the record on tapes. We don't know what Omarosa had, and she's been taping since The Apprentice. Mm-hmm. We don't know what Michael Cohen has on tapes. Omarosa had that very damning, you know, <laughs> video of Cohen getting on a plane. That was, well, that was, uh, that was devastating. That was, that was yeah. yeah um, couldn't recover from that one. It could also be that Weiselberg had just flipped on Cohen. Right. And, and that was maybe the source of a lot of the Cohen information they got. And it could easily just be that. We don't know what it is. I will say, going back to our point about who he hires. Right. Like Amorosa is a great one. 
There was no one in politics telling him he should he should hire. Never should never hired her. Should have never hired her. I mean, she had no business being anywhere within a thousand miles of the campaign. Yeah, she never should have been at the White House. And and I I give I give a lot of criticism to Trump when he does things that I disagree with. His initial staff, which was a non-political staff, was horrendous. But he also figured out pretty quickly that these people are horrendous in politics and you're out of here, you're out of here, you're out of here, you're out of here. And now if you notice, even with all the instability that the media said has been around Donald Trump, if you look at his staff now, it's been very stable since he got rid oh, of sure. that first wave of people. Yeah. Oh, sure. I, I, you can't complain with a lot of them. I, I think we could all, you know, pretty much get, you know, agree that everyone that's in there now, you know, is a whole lot better than who, the, who he had before. But I think a lot of those early hires, like Flynn, you know, even Omarosa. Steve uh, Bannon. See, yeah, yeah. But, but, but they were all kind of like these legacy loyalty picks. Yes. You know, they were the people that jumped on with him. day one. He's exactly. a loyalist. Exactly. Donald yeah. Trump, and, and, I mean, and he said to me, you, you, you joke, you were so nasty to me talking about me <laughs> during the primaries. You were so nasty to me. And he goes, and then it was like a religious, I think he said something like in a religious uh, evolution in front of my eyes, when finally during the general, you, you started to defend me. It's passive <laughs> Trump-esque, right? I mean, and we laughed about it because, and I told him, I said, when you're right, I will give you full credit. When I think you make a bad decision, I will, I will say it. Omarosa was a terrible hire. Clearly, he knew he needed to get out of, out of the White House. They also knew she was a liability, which is exactly why they wanted to give her a job afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, you oh, know, yeah. inside. I mean, it's, it's, it's classic. And, and you know what? If Omarosa, I knew the liability that she was, I would have, and I was in his shoes, I would have said, give her a job and let's oh, just yeah. make this go oh, away. Absolutely. I don't have a problem with that. No, I don't have a problem with that. I just had a problem with the initial hire. Right. But you're right. Yeah, I mean, and there's the, once you realize she's leaving, she's obviously a psychopath. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, yeah, pay her whatever you want. I mean, but it's, it's just a... It's been, I think, a, you're right, an interesting turn, and it's been a, a legitimate improvement from those early days when it comes to the people surrounding him, and that's been, I think, a cause for good policy development. And you know, I mean, it's it's cre- the, that early staff created a lot of issues that's taken a lot of time to solve, though. So why this matters, uh, just to sum it all up, is we don't know if it's going to cause a big fuss yet, but yeah. we need to keep an eye on it. Like you know, Trump likes to call everything that is critical of him fake news, right. um, and. A lot of times he's right. Like, there's a lot of things that they report that are just ridiculous, I think. Um, But some of the really uh, good reporters around the White House have been talking about this as a massive development for months. And the fact that they've been hinting that and then it's actually now come true um, is interesting. You know, that was one of the things that people talked about. Maybe it's not going to be, you know, Russian collusion, but maybe it's some deal he did 10 years ago they're going to go after him on. If they investigate and go through that whole organization, look, Trump wasn't a politician. He wasn't thinking in those terms. He was thinking in a New York real estate terms, and God only knows what happened. I mean, he has already been in trouble throughout his real estate career for things like hiring illegal immigrants and, and, you know, uh, illegal racist, uh, you know, policies when it comes to people living in his building and things at the casino that he had to deal, deal with. That's, that's getting awards from Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, all while doing that, right? Yes, so, I mean, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's <laughs> part of that culture, right? Yeah. Like when you're in New York City, you've got big friends, you guys swim in the same circles. Like there's lots of deals that go on. And, and so it's going to be interesting if he actually is worried about his own future uh, and he got, takes an immunity deal to actually reveal what's happened in the Trump organization. Almost by default, with an organization that big that has existed in that environment there is for going that to long, be there's going to be something. Yeah, yeah. All right, I want to make sure to get into y'all's, have enough time to get into y'all's topic, so let's take a break. Back in a minute. I prefer you not saying y'all. On the well, I'm going to uh, say y'all. I would say So you deal with it. I, I would Texas? Um, that is standard talk here. Uh, got used yeah, to it. I know. No, that's all. I'm not going to convert to be a cowboy. 
Hey, it's Sarah Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I want to tell you about another program I really think you'll like, Pat Gray Unleashed. You can check it out now wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Jason, I hope you're not about to disparage my uh, fellow Hispanic. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, am I allowed to actually say anything critical on him? We'll just call you, we'll just call you a racist. Just call me racist. Yeah. We okay, actually okay. should just start calling him O'Rourke. <laughs> why, like, yeah, why are why we going are we, along uh, with this? That's a good point. That's why, a good why do we have to go along with so, this? So, so his, it's on the sign. I know. Yeah, and that's, that's all that's, that's, that's all that's on the sign. That's what like, I was going to say. Does this word sound familiar to you? <laughs> Vote for him. That's straight up what it's saying. So so my wife is Hispanic. And so she sees a sign hits the brakes. Well, she instantly thought it was. It was a Latin political camp. She doesn't follow yep. politics at all, but yep. she goes, "Oh, she goes, oh wow, she's running against Cruz, two Lat- you know, Latinos," yeah. mm-hmm. and she was like getting pride, you know. Yeah. And I was like, "No, that's not the case." No. But anyway, so this week the latest polls show that he's only four points behind Ted Cruz, and I can't. I'm, I'm kind of wondering why Cruz isn't really kind of, I don't know, not just maybe just going to the mattresses a little bit more because if he doesn't, you know, start taking this seriously. He might yeah. be in control. I think he is. I think yeah. he is. If you look at this, is where Ted Cruz always gets underestimated when he won against Lieutenant, you know, Governor Dewhurst back in the day. Mm-hmm. How did he win? He went to every single little small yeah, town in Texas. Yep. And he went there and he would speak to five people or 15 people or 30 people. There was no audience too small. And if you look at his campaign schedule, and you look at where that RV's been going, he is going back to those little small towns, grassroots. He's not doing ballrooms in Dallas and Houston. and He's doing fundraisers, yes. But I think he, the reason why you say, like, where is he, is he's literally out there, not but, in the places where the cameras are. Not, then to me, that might be more frightening that the polls show what they show. And in the metropolitan areas, I, I don't know. No, like, I think all they you disproportionately, see is Yeah, I think they disproportionately go in and poll big areas, which is exactly what happened right. when Cruz was supposed to lose to do Hearst last time. Remember, he was not supposed to win. Yes. They showed him down. I think they over they oversample San Antonio and Austin and Houston and Dallas. I think that's how they do it. And he totally whooped his tail in all those little counties. So I, and my guess is I think it's wrong. I think he's going to be up. I think he'll win the thing by eight or nine. I hope you're I hope you're right. But I don't I was was weird. Like I, I lived in California for like 15 years. And some of the friends that I had that are still there that are very hardcore liberal. I'm seeing that they're posting stuff that Beto was saying. Like they were, they were posting his he just, his he just did kneeling, a yeah, his kneeling. Yeah, his kneeling oh, is famous. Yeah. It's also I mean, LeBron James yeah. tweeted that for uh, crying out loud, Yeah, which I think actually only helps Cruz. I really do. I mean, if you get a million retweets and they're all from New York or California, it, then none of them can vote legally, yeah. right? They might bust them down here and try, but legally, I don't think it really, I, I think he's going to be just fine. I think he's going to be laughing on election day when his go back to my roots, humble myself and be that candidate that speaks to everyone and shakes hand. And he's, I mean, he's one of the hardest working campaigners I've ever seen. So the optics on Beto are... O'Rourke is that as the optics in this guy is he's like just I don't know he's he's like these young guys skateboarding in Waterburger parking lots you know he's he's just a swell guy while kneeling while kneeling yeah. um, the only but, thing missing is like the Mexican flag on the shirt right, right, right. Right. on the skateboard yeah so I, I it's been really curious I hadn't heard anything really negative beyond the Republican you know Democrat typical usual guy, typical yeah. yeah like anti-gun all that stuff but income I, tax so, just the normal right yeah so I, I just saw actually one of my buddies over at Red State Brandon Morris 
just uh, released an article, I think it was yesterday, and I was reading through it, and he had all of his research, you know, backed up in there. But it was I was reading some stuff that I haven't seen anywhere, and one of them was is when he was at the uh, on the city council in El Paso, he almost got ran out of there for cronyism and corruption. Have not heard that anywhere. And it was pretty bad. It was so bad that his fellow Democrats were trying to get rid of him and, and trying to do a recall. Because they're like, this guy, we, we can't have this much corruption wow. in the city council. This guy's got to go. And it was so bad. The guy's worth about $9 million as his net worth. Whatever. That's, that's, that's all good. But some of the ways he was getting that $9 million is kind of suspect. One of the cases was he was really big on eminent domain. He wanted to snatch up private land. Really big on eminent domain. But when they looked into the books... The contact tracks that he was granting to people after seizing the land were, co- were uh, companies that his companies were doing business with, providing services for. Not only that, but on one case, one of the contracts that he granted, uh, granted it to, what his, uh, fa- his father-in-law was one of the executives in that company. So, I mean, but this was just, a, there's a laundry list of these things. And so the moral story is you and you, we don't have to worry about your land being taken because you've got last names, you're covered. Correct, yeah, we're, we're good. We're in yeah. serious trouble. <laughs> we are exactly. serious, Ferguson. It's just not going to go well for us. <laughs> All right, is it, uh, is it time for a new AG? I would say yes. And I would say mainly because, one, you serve at the pleasure of the president. Clearly the two men are not getting along right now. Um, I also think that the reason why the AG initially recused himself was the honorable way to do it. Mm-hmm. There is no honor in Washington, D.C. anymore. There's no statesman in Washington, D.C. More, anymore. You think he there should no, have recused himself? I, I think he should have, initially. Oh, I, I disagree. I, well, but I'm saying from a statesman standpoint, if you actually had a Congress that was appropriate and you went back in time, that is the honorable thing to do by the, the lay of the land, the law, if you have statesmen you work with. There are no statesmen in Washington anymore, so let's stop acting like it. My point is this. He knew the Senate. He knew how corrupt it is. He knows how shady it is. He knows how Democrats are going to react. I think he should have said, I don't trust you, so I'm not going to recuse myself. Hindsight being 2020. I think it was on paper the right honorable thing to do. I think looking back, allowing this to get to where it is right now, where there's no one that's been charged with collusion. You have people that are going after people that gave money to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and their kids. I mean, I mean, the things where this has gone now, to the insanity it's gone to, I think clearly he underestimated his colleagues in the Senate and the House and how this would be exploded with a special prosecutor, which he knew was going to get appointed. There was no way, as soon as you recuse yourself, you were setting this up for the political gift of a lifetime, for the Democratic Party, for Trump's presidency. He knew that was going to happen. He knew how angry they were. And I think clearly he underestimated that. My point is, I think it's time for him to say goodbye and look, the president, I think, is trying to force him out. And the rules and a lot of people, it's the nuances they don't understand. If he resigns, the president has a short-term appointment that he can make that doesn't have to go through the Senate. The Senate's already said they don't want to appoint someone before the midterm elections. There's, and so I think what the president's doing is he's trying to force him or try to get him to resign because he doesn't want to fire him. Because he also knows that he can't fire him. I mean, I think Trump's a pretty smart guy. If you fire him... I think everything comes even more, and then Congress responds and really tries to put you in a noose. The way I see it, I'll use a, since football season's about to start, a Cowboys reference. So I kind of see Trump in this as being Jerry Jones, and he sees Jeff Sessions as Jason Garrett. 
<laughs> now, we'd all like to have Bill Parcells probably back, or we'd like to have Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson back. Jimmy Johnson. Right. Tom, Tom, uh, Tom Landry. <laughs> but uh, J- Jerry Jones could not strong-arm some of those people. He, he knew that he could push, he, he can push Jerry Jones around. And I kind of think it's, it's the same case. I think Trump knows that eventually, maybe he does bully Sessions around a lot, you know, more. But I think that he, I mean, why fire him when you think that you've got a guy in office there that you can actually push around and beat, you know, bully around? There's no reason to fire him. But- yeah, I, I don't know if he thinks he can bully him. I just think that he thinks I'm going to make him miserable and <laughs> let him know he has no yeah. confidence and I'm going to make him defend himself and I'm going to make him and look embarrass like he's him in, publicly. I, I, embarrass him and eventually he'll say I'm out. Because when he has fired people, it hasn't worked out very yeah. well. Right. well that, if you don't believe Comey. me, there's a guy named James yeah. Comey. Yeah. Ask him how it worked. That's I mean, it's actually, not exactly... Well, that's and, actually and, the and definition fired, of bullying. I mean, and I mean, you either I, force them to quit or you force them to do your bidding. Yeah. I mean... But, I, but it's, it's so important for him... I think for Trump to get someone that he actually trusts and get somebody in there that actually starts to, I think, take it. You know, I mean, the the point he made about, like, be in charge, act like you're in charge, stop deferring, stop going, oh, I can't do this because I was on the campaign. Oh, I can't do this because I know Trump. I mean, at some point, be the attorney general for the United States of America. You're a member of his cabinet. You serve at the pleasure of the president. If the president's lost confidence in you, clearly it's time for you to go. Um, to take it out of sports for a minute, I, Trump is to Sessions as Michael Scott is to Toby Flenderson. Um, if you remember that relationship, he constantly would berate Toby all the time and say he was horrible. Yes. Uh, and then, but he never actually fired Toby for whatever the reason is. It's, I think there's a... Uh, because I, I agree with you, I think he. I think I, I would disagree with you on the recusal. I think that was actually the right thing for him to do at that time. How? But he was in the he 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 was in the campaign. He, li- he, he falsely testified about about uh, meeting with uh, these people, and I think it was a, an understandable. <sighs> Distinction. I mean, he met as as part of the oh, Senate. But guys, he, he, I seriously have a disagreement on that. It was ridiculous the allegations against Sessions that while he was a, a member of, of the Senate, it was part of his job description to speak to people like Kislyak. Right. right. So but, he should have just said he, he did. Should have said that. Should have said he did. But I think his. I didn't say he was, was smart. Was, I think his. <laughs> <point> <laughs> yeah. I, I that's think, not how the testifying works. Though. <laughs> uh, oh, I forgot I all my meetings. Done, you got a pass. <laughs> I think it was a legacy move. When he recused yeah. himself, I think he thought it is ridiculous what this will turn into. So it probably won't last very long. I will be the statesman. I will say that I did the honorable thing, and I recused myself. And clearly he did not understand how much the Democrats wanted to destroy him and the entire administration and 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 Trump. It's true. However, all the people that are doing the investigation now there that, you know, instead of Sessions, are all appointed by him. The whole, you know, this is not just a Democratic effort, right? These people were appointed by Donald Trump. Um, so the fact that this goes on, I think, is a, is an issue where you know. Do you think is do you think the president's point? My last thing is: Do you think the president's point when he said yesterday he should have told me if he was going to recuse himself is a valid point? Yeah, that's a valid. Okay, point. Let, yeah. All right, let's take a break. Back in a minute. That's valid. I mean, he, he should he he should have told him. Yeah. Um, but again, in like you want the job? Sure. Like up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze Premium subscribers. Become a premium subscriber at theblaze.com slash subscribe. All right, Jason, there is a crisis moment approaching in Venezuela. I never really looked at it through this uh, optic before, but it's kind of, what's kind of crazy, let's just uh, kind of compare what's happening in Venezuela as far as people, migrants trying to leave the country and surrounding the other countries, you know, 
you know, running from there to go to other places. Um, since 2014, the migrant crisis in Europe, there's been 1.8 million since 2014 that have left Northern Africa or the Middle East, 1.8 million. And that's a full-blown crisis, everyone realize, uh, realizes that. Mm-hmm. Um, since 2015, just a year after that, there's been 1.6 million Venezuelans wow. that have fled the country and are getting basically getting put in refugee camps all along the border. This is going on in Colombia, uh, Peru, Ecuador, uh, lots in Brazil. Um, we've been reaching out, just doing our own research for other, something else for Glenn uh, over the past week or so. And I talked to one guy that uh, runs an NGO down there, and he said that it's getting violent in some of these places. In Colombia, there's actually like armed like gangs that are going out and like killing some of these people, robbing them, uh, doing everything they can to kick them back, to push them back across the border into Venezuela. It's the same in Brazil. Uh, this is really, really heating up, and it, it's uh, led some people that uh, monitor migrant flows saying that this is reaching crisis level. This is just as bad, if not getting worse, than the migrant crisis in Europe. I hadn't heard anybody talk wow. about that, but that's what, what, that's what socialist Venezuela is doing to South America right now. Wow, that's wow. amazing. I mean, it's, it's one of those stories where, uh, you know, we talked about kind of everyone being obsessed with, with Trump on a day-to-day basis. It's like, this is a story that we Matters. really should have done a yep. better job covering, I feel, as conservatives. Yep. This is the entire, the, in real-time failure of the system we're fighting against all the time. Mm. Here is a socialist experiment going down in the ugliest of fashions, places you know, where all these Hollywood celebrities would go and run and tell us this is the way to do things. And it's happening, and not only is it a really good example of our points, but it's a real humanitarian crisis. I mean, these people, they're talking about, you know, 20 pounds on average of lost over the past few years because there's just no food. There's lawyers going and killing dogs and eating them in the streets. I mean, it's like, you know, it's They were talking about it's so dangerous for anyone to even fly into the airports in Venezuela because the people that control the airport, right, that wear uniforms and have guns, basically will go through your stuff, steal everything, and then hold you for ransom until you pay them for government fines. And then they're taking the money. So if you fly into there, you're marked as soon as you get off that airplane. And you're going to be stripped of all your belongings, and you're lucky if you get out of that country. What's and they know that. And that's why they're saying that, like, a lot of the humanitarian help, that, you know, one, the government is not even going to let you get through there. Mm-hmm. Two, it'll be stolen. Three, it's not going to get the people who need it. And this is socialism, and everybody should pay attention to this, especially that candidate up in New York. Yeah, and that's what's amazing is this is the time that Democrats have picked to embrace democratic socialism yeah. overtly. I mean, they've right. always been doing it. But, you know, overtly now they're like, hey, yeah, democratic socialism, the future of our party at the exact same, same time, time where this is failing. It's crumbling. And it's not that far from America. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, I think that their excuse to you would be, well, they just didn't do it the right way. That's well, always their excuse. Right. I know. Enough. We're going to do it the right way. So, I mean, I think it is important. What is to- the right way, out of curiosity? Yeah. Like, can you explain that? Uh, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, are I'm you asking me? No. no but I'm serious. <laughs> like, when they say we're going to do it the right way, I'm like... How how does the model change? Like, is there like well, American is, 2.0 version this of is democratic we take from, socialism? Okay, so that you're right. Okay, it's well that socialism. now you explained it. Yeah. Right. Like, now it's I got it. Okay, so clearly socialism. it's going to be different. <laughs> Obviously, right. So we'll take all your stuff and then we'll give you a pat on the back, like yeah, a high right. five, <laughs> like <laughs> good job, little buddy. You know, I mean, well, a lot of times they'll go to the whole like Norway, Sweden, you yeah. know, uh, Denmark type of thing, and it really it's not socialist. I mean, they have really big welfare states, and and I I don't. Mind the shorthand of calling them socialists because they're so far to our left on those policies. But, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to start a business in most, most of those countries. There's a lot of capitalist aspects in a lot of those countries. There's, it's free, you know, it's a generally free society. I mean, there are things that are good about those. And, and there's obviously qualifications.
ramifications as far as the populations and the differences between you know the way we built our country uh, and the way that and they resources. Yeah, totally. It's kind of amazing if, if you tweet. Just go on Twitter and do this. It's guaranteed some, this is going to happen. If you tweet socialist and Venezuela in the same tweet, almost instantly someone from the Socialist Party of America will start. You know, <laughs> their official count will start hounding you, saying it's not real socialism, and yeah. they'll like they'll send you a barrage of like five pre-done up tweets. And it's still like, I can't understand, like, how can you make the argument that Venezuela isn't your, the prime example of socialism? They always go to say, no, it's actually a dictatorship, yada, yada, yada. What do you think the fruits of if you hand an all-powerful government the keys to in your entire industry where you can set price controls and everything? What do you think the fruits of that are? There's going to be someone socialism. that's someone's going to be at the other end that's going to take advantage the only, of that. The only difference between Venezuela and what the Democrat Socialist Party is advocating for it is, is one is the idea and the other is the actual implication, the failure. Mm-hmm. Because at some point when it fails and you run out of other people's money and goods and services and you're shooting dogs to eat them, mm-hmm. that's when it becomes reality instead of this kumbaya idea mm-hmm. or ideals that you say would really make us all better. Uh, poodles are the most uh, delicious breed, by the way. In are case they? you guys are looking for a lunch later, yeah. <laughs> is that on the socialist platform now? Yeah. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of going in with how radical the left has gotten, uh, I offer you a glimmer of hope. So CNN went around and they were asking average Americans um, what they thought about the Cohen stuff and the Manafort trial and just kind of how it shaped their opinion of President Trump and the Democrats had some really interesting things to say. Watch this. Voters like Anne-Marie Lenahan, a registered Democrat who voted for Trump, is so encouraged by the economy, she says she can overlook allegations of Trump's infidelity. Unless the money came from campaign funds, then I don't think that it's good. I see. So that's where you draw that sort of line. Yes. I see. But I would still vote for him again. Trump's win in this part of the state is also thanks in part to Democrats like Eileen and Richard Sorokas. This is all from uh, Obama's campaign. Who, after voting twice for President Obama, switched their vote to Trump. Here's what the couple told CNN weeks after Trump's inauguration. You got to... Yeah. Get the politically correct things out of here and get a businessman, get this country straight out, get the yeah. deficit down. The couple stands by their decision. Our, our retirement is in the stock market, and the stock market's been growing for quite a while now, so I'm sort of happy what's happening with the economy. So you look at the headlines, and it's all, you know, Democratic Socialism, Ocasio Cortez, you know, Tom Perez is saying she's the future of the new Democratic Party. But we're still seeing that the normal average Democrats are not latching on to that. It's the economy, stupid. Yeah. It is the economy. And I think Democrats have overplayed their obsession with trying to remove a free and fairly elected president of the United States of America and Donald Trump. You had the word impeach or impeachment an 18-hour period on cable news used 222 times <laughs> because wow. of his attorney doing a plea deal. Right. The obsession, if you say it 222 times, does it matter anymore? Yeah. I mean, if you overuse it, it's always been about impeachment, and you're out there, impeach 45, you know, with congressmen saying that, and then you have, you know, crazy Steve Cohen out there going, today we have articles of impeachment because you elected him and we lost. I mean, remember how early on he was saying it, yeah. it wasn't based on any facts. And Maxine Waters. It was, and Maxine yeah. Waters every, every time, day. impeach yeah. 45, impeach 45. I mean, the, the chant, I mean, it is pretty catchy. <laughs> but, it, but, but at the end of the day, if you listen to the average American and if Democrats were smart, they would shut up about it 
and they don't have anything else to run on right now. So it is this. It is this. This guy should have never been president. And if you're embarrassed by him, if you can't stand his Twitter account, vote for us in midterms and we will kick him out of office. That is their entire platform. What's amazing to me is uh, the, the idea of new left or democratic socialism, all that, cultural the Marxism. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that, that existed like I think that came into effect like in the 60s. And that was something that was just like something that like you know, college kids were into hippies, you know, people that were pushing like that, the new wave of feminism back in the day. But that was never like, it, it was never like mainstream, you know, left, mainstream Democratic Party. I mean, if it, really, if you had Bill Clinton or someone running as Bill Clinton today, it'd probably win in a landslide. I mean, really, well, I don't think any well, I mean, of them you remember, exist. You remember Bill Clinton, he got reelected even with all the crap going on mm-hmm. because the economy was good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And people said, why do I want to change this when I have job security? I mean, ever in life, if you ask the average person what's important to them, it is providing for their family, the security and knowing that their investments are actually worth something. Wait, so you're saying it's not about trans, non-binary, cisgender issues? No. <laughs> if you have a job, no. Not the average no. If you actually concern. work and go to school or, and then get a degree and actually like, go out and do something with that degree <laughs> that was worthless, mm. I would say and, no. And, and now, if you're in school and you're, yeah, then yeah, you right. probably are believing that. And that is also very scary. But I think I just laugh because I say to the Democrats, keep it up. Keep yeah. this up. This is your platform, which is he shouldn't have been president and you should be offended by him. And the guy that you just saw on CNN saying, I voted for Obama twice. It wasn't very good. 36% approval rating among African-Americans for Donald Trump. And why is it? Because if you yell the word racist every day for three years and your life gets better as a minority and you look at prison reform, you are not going to hate Donald Trump as much as you tell me to. Uh, interesting that uh, reportedly Nancy Pelosi sent a, a note to Democratic Congress people saying, hey, guys, don't jump on the impeachment. This is not a good thing for, for the elections. Don't go crazy with impeachment talk yet. And it's interesting that they have more restraint than so much of the mainstream media. I mean, like wow. Nancy Pelosi is to the though. right yeah. Of, yeah. of them, which is just insane. I don't, I, I don't think she is to the right of them. I think she's just read her rules for radicals and Saul Alinsky. No, it's true. Which means yeah. you can't beat yeah. something to, to death. It'll save that till when we can actually get it done yeah. after yeah. November, probably. I, I'm interested, Ben, what, if you think of, what you think of this. If the economy goes south, we go into a legitimate, significant, not even 2008, but a significant right. recession. He's in trouble. How much of his base goes away? Oh, I, I think base, of course. He's at, what, 43% saying? What does that go down to? 37, 36. But I still think there's people that understand how damaging another eight years of a Hillary Clinton, sure. Barack Obama are to the economy because we witnessed it. I don't think the president's approval rating ever goes below 34, 35%, no matter what happens, because there's still people that say, I cannot support Nancy Pelosi and mm-hmm. the Democrats. I can't do it. The other thing is, is remember, right around the election is when people start kind of getting all their stuff to their accountant, looking at sure. their taxes. You start realizing it. And, and if you got your taxes done last year and you're a small business, you know what is your last thing that your account give you. Here's what your taxes, if you pay quarterly, quarterly are going taxes. to look like for next year. Yes. And oh, by the way, you're going to save six grand or 11000 or 17000 or 4500 because of the new tax plan that Trump put in. It is really hard to vote to give away that much money. Yes. And that's not even if you're making insane money. I mean, that's just if you're a small business owner and you make seventy dollars to $120,000 after you employ people and work your tail off and you go out there and you start this business... And you're going to save 
five to 11, 12 grand on your taxes because of the new Trump tax plan, I don't see how you could possibly vote against that. But there's to, to, to go along with your point, I think that there's a lot of wild cards out in the world right now that could significantly screw with the economy. There's a budding currency crisis going on all over the world, South America, Turkey, Russia, China. That's a legitimate concern. If those people, sure. if, if, if the no dollar of Trump's, obviously, yeah. if, but if the but if the but. dollar keeps going high, they start defaulting. We start losing yeah. money. I mean, that is going to affect our economy. The, the global economy will slow down, and that'll and we'll take a hit. Also, the trade war. How how far will that go? Will that start messing with our economy? You know, there's a lot of things that could happen. And you have a bullish market right now, which at some point is going to have to stop being so bullish. That's just reality. But it's still, I think a lot of people that got really hurt early on, seven and eight and nine in the stock market that pulled out and licked their wounds and lost a lot of their retirement, they got back in the game. And when do you get back in the game? When you feel confident. And right now you feel confident to be in the game and you're making money. Yeah. Uh, So we talk about Trump multiple times a week, right? We talk about, you know, politics. Multiple times a week. I can't remember ever talking about Michael Jackson <laughs> multiple times in a week, and yet here this we are. Twice. Yes, twice. because twice. we just talked about Michael Maybe Jackson three. versus yeah. the Eagles. Yes, which, by the way, the Eagles should not be number one on the list. It's a greatest no, hits album. It makes great. no sense. Um, but uh, this one is even crazier. I, f- I find the story to be fascinating. So Michael Jackson dies, and the, the record uh, company releases a posthumous CD of his recordings. Uh, and, you know, that, that happens pretty much with every big artist. Right. And so they pieced together some songs he did in the studio and everything else that weren't really quite ready, but they finished them and released them. Okay, that's totally fine. Well, they released this, uh, Sony releases this album, and people in Jackson's family are saying, I don't think that's him on these songs. Three songs in particular, they say, I don't think it was actually Michael Jackson's voice. And there's kind of a conspiracy theory that starts to bubble up that they just had some impersonator record Ford Michael him. Jackson's voice and then it's just like going act to a Journey like of Foreigner concert, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's exactly. like, yeah. and tonight you're going to watch a cover band <laughs> with the official name. Yeah. So uh, a fan of Jackson's sues Sony to try to get the information because they believe it's yeah. not right. Uh, today, it comes out, Sony admits. That they actually just had an impersonator sing three songs on an album and said it was Michael Jackson. The question is, did Michael Jackson write the words that the fake guy is singing? Right. That's what I want to know now, right? Or is this just a random song that, like, Bob in the back was like, dude, Michael Jackson should have sung this. In fact, here's what we should do. Let's go find a guy that sounds like Michael Jackson and get him to sing it. Like, then, like, how much trouble are you in? Do I get my money back on iTunes? That's what I want to know. I hope that's the story because that's an unbelievable movie. I want to watch that movie when it comes out. <laughs> I promise you one thing: the Jackson family was not getting paid from that dude. That's why they yeah, added that's it. Because if they were getting royalties, it was Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. End of the discussion. We love him by the album. Uh, all right. So yesterday's poll was: Do you think that there will be a blue wave in November here in Texas? And ninety-two percent of people said no. I no. think that's right. Pro, yeah. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It's, a, it's an uncomfortably close in multiple polls. So that makes me a little, like, again, I think taking it seriously, going to all these small towns is a really smart move by Cruz. It's hard to, I don't think we're there yet, but Texas falls. Uh, what do you do nationally? I mean, it can't, I, yeah. it can't fall. So well, Unless there is some scandal that came out, and that's just a general sure, rule, For right? everybody. For everybody. And Ted Cruz, is. if there was anything out there, it would have come out, I think, in the presidential election. I think he's loved by voters. He's a Texan through and through. I think putting the yard signs out the way he has, trying to connect with the Hispanic community. But I, I, I actually believe the day that the election was officially lost, 
by, what are we saying, Beto, Beto, however you want to say his name. O'Rourke. O'Rourke, yes, O'Rourke, was when he talked about the American flag and kneeling. I think you lose Texans. There's a certain point where you just, you clearly don't click with Texans. And that moment is when you say it's like an honorable thing to kneel. Yeah. It's just, you're done. We're not in California. Mm-hmm. This is not New York. Yeah, it just, it just, it just, it just I can't even imagine someone that, someone that's, <laughs> in Texas. that's, out of, that's against guns, right, that's yeah. for kneeling for the national yeah. anthem, and you think that's going to fly in some of these small Yeah, community. hard to imagine. Well, it's weird. Did you see that? Did you guys see that New York Times, like, heat map or whatever that showed how everyone voted, you know, like, in your neighborhood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, really like, crazy. You can yeah. zoom all the way into your... Like every single major metropolitan city in Texas is all blue. All blue. So you're saying every that's why my neighbors one. are not nice to me. <laughs> right. Knew <laughs> <Do> it. <laughs> uh, and today's poll. First, I need to back up a little bit. Uh, Glenn tweeted oh, no. to Soldier Boy, the rapper. He's a rapper. <laughs> right? If you're gonna say it, you got to make sure you say it with a little bit of soul, like. Can you, would you like to do it for no, me? No, I want to hear you do it. I just, I'm just critiquing it. Soldier boy. There you go, soldier okay. boy. There soldier you go. boy. Uh, and he said, yo, we may have bling that's all iced out, but because your hot bars melt that S, you got drip. And I ain't afraid to say it. Soldier Boy changed the world 13 years ago. Does this clash with my bow tie? Okay. Which leads, do you have something to say before I no, I just said, question? when you read that, it reminded me of an airplane when the old woman goes, I speak jive. And <laughs> <laughs> translated. Yeah. Uh, so leads me to today's poll question, which is, did Glenn's Twitter, in fact, get hacked by Russian bots? He claims that it did not, but I want to know because I think that it may have. I love that Soldier Boy actually retweeted it and he put did. it on his Instagram. <laughs> he did. He retweeted Glenn's so tweet bizarre. and then put it That's, on his There's certain story. tweets when they get retweeted, you should print them and frame them. Yes. <laughs> that one deleted. needs to be framed. Like, that's, that's a framer. Like, there's very few of those a year. Some people think their Twitter accounts are too important sometimes. Mm-hmm. That is officially needs to be on the desk. I read, should do that. When he's here next week, you should stick it right there. I meant to ask him about that today. I was in total yeah. shock. I thought we were in, like, a parallel universe. Yeah, I still can't. He talked what a time did he tweet it? Like, 1 a.m. or, like, 2 a.m. with Trump? Were they talking? Uh, I, watch this. Yeah. Yeah, check your check your check my Twitter feed in 13 seconds. Oh, you're gonna I, I owned you. You're gonna say what yeah. about sessions? Yeah, check yeah, this yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going full soldier boy on that guy. Oh my gosh! So remember to vote on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And thank you, Ben, for joining us. And we will see you guys Monday. First Friday show in the books. Nice. Great. Let's add a Saturday to Sunday too. I think that would be a good idea. Like what you're hearing. Become a Blaze Premium subscriber and watch the show anytime, anywhere, live or on demand. Go to theblaze.com slash subscribe and start watching today.